Stories move hearts and hearts move impact. Slingshot Stories. 10 to 15 minute episodes built around what we believe to be really practical key areas of impact that are going to help you grow in your understanding of what impact is and how you can accomplish it. Everybody's on planet Earth for a reason. Find your sweet spot, get off the bench, and get in the game. Hello, this is Ed Gillentine. I am your co-host along with my colleague in Impact, Jared Barnett, the CEO of Slingshot Memphis. And Jared, we've got another really fantastic topic today in our series on Slingshot Stories. We're going to be talking about effective reentry from the justice system, which is a humongous challenge today. And I'm really excited to see some of the work that you guys have put out over the last couple of years and I'm excited to talk about today's just some of the findings. So let's jump right in. What have you guys been finding in all your research? We've had the opportunity to work with five organizations here in Memphis that deal with the legal system in, in some capacity. And looking at the research around what makes these programs effective or not, we've reached a really surprising conclusion. And the conclusion is that the research showed that most programs across the nation that have been studied don't make an impact when it comes to helping people reenter society from the legal system in terms of you know, lower recidivism rates or improved financial situations. And so that was uh, shocking to us because we know there's really? been a lot yeah. of programs and efforts that have gone into this across the nation. And again, most of them didn't work. This may be a tangent. When I think about what I hear in the popular news and, and even among experts, overcrowded jails, very expensive to house inmates. The, the goal, I think, of our justice system, and I understand people can push back on this, is not restoration but, but reentry into healthy civilian life. And yet I suspect the statistics show we are failing miserably. Go into prison, come out, high likelihood you're headed back. Is that a reasonably fair assessment? It is, and, and, and unfortunately that's the case, is that uh, more often than not, people who have uh, been in the prison system before often find themselves there again. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's depressing because, the, you know, what's the point of sending someone to prison if when they come back, they're just, you know, the society, they just end up going back there, right? Like yeah. if we're not... Or they learned even more skills while they were in prison <laughs> that are going to get them sent back. There's a whole other... Uh, topic, yeah, on, on that that yeah. is there. And, and so the idea is, you know, it, it's better for those people, it's better for society if we can figure out how to to kind of make that more successful. And so one of the neat things is by working with several organizations here in the city, we've been able to learn what is associated with programs that are effective, that actually do help reduce recidivism, that do help improve the financial uh, stability of people who have, have come out of the legal system. And, uh, and that's also validated by this research when we found you know, what, in the instances where there was some programs that were effective, what, what was the practices that they did? And so I think this is, to me, a really good example of where heart and trying wasn't enough, right? And right. so there was a lot, there was a big effort around across the nation, right? We're going to do these programs, we're going to get people, um, you know, help them in the reiner society. And I don't doubt that, but unfortunately, you know, the research showed it didn't work. And I think the reason is that the the services provided weren't sufficient. And so most of these programs uh, that 
didn't produce any measurable benefits. Their primary focus was on helping people get a job right. after they left the, the prison system. And that was kind of seen as if we can do that, they get a job, they get an income, they're in an environment where there are, you know, there's some structure with work and things, and that should kind of take care of everything else. And then those programs would end once they, they got into that job. Like a hard stop. Hard stop, right? Hey, got you the job. Good Congrats. luck. You're go all set now. Go figure it out. Yeah. And, and the reality is that the programs that actually showed some success did much more than that, right? That job wasn't enough, just getting the job. There had to be so much more because in many cases, people who are leaving the justice system, they face a much, m- many more challenges than someone who's just coming out of college getting into a job, sure. right? Or someone who's just leaving high school to go and get a job. And so without additional type of support, it's so much harder to navigate all of that. Uh, and in many cases, you don't have the resources when you're coming out of the legal system to navigate that. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's probably because I do want to uh, uh, get um, just kind of your report on what you guys have been seeing in some organizations in Memphis that are having success. But, you know, almost all of these major um, issues are very nuanced, right? So if you think about a hard stop, hey, we got you a job, right? Go get them. There's a high likelihood, as I understand the research, that a young man, and in Memphis, it's going to be typically a young African-American male between 18 and 26 is the number that I remember. But you've got an education system problem here. You've got a transportation system challenges here. You've got all these things that puts them more at risk for going to prison in the first place, which then, I presume, exponentially puts them more at risk for recidivism. Mm -hmm. So talk about a couple of real-life organizations that are taking this research that you guys have done and making a difference. Yeah, so there's three that that I can share, and they each do something slightly different, which I think is neat, because each of them has efficacy associated with it. So one is Center for Employment Opportunities. They go by CEO. Another is Economic Opportunities. And the third is Lifeline to Success. And so... Center for Employment Opportunities is a national model, and they have an affiliate here in Memphis. And what they do is they provide very robust and extensive uh, support to help someone retain a job after they get it. So up to a year after they get hired uh, or start working, Center for Employment Opportunities will provide support. And that starts by providing kind of temporary employment opportunities, helping them with soft skills and other things to work through that. And then they can get and transfer into more Uh, full-time employment, and they can do that with support. So they have someone who's not at the employer, but is part of CEO that is helping them navigate this, right? Can share with them, hey, you should think about this or that as you're working through challenges that come up with retaining those jobs so that you don't get the job and two or three months later, you know, it doesn't work out and you're back, you know, in the same spot you were right when you came out of prison. Uh, But you can then build on that. And that's one of the neat things that CEO does is they really help that those, the people they work with, stay in those jobs. And there's a, once you're in there for six months to a year, that's a much more a probable more success. for success sure. cutoff point than just getting the job. Yeah. Uh, and so that's one of the really neat things they've done here in Memphis is they work a lot with employers across the community and provide crews and other things to try and help 
the people they work with get into the workforce in a supportive way and then retain employment once they have, um, achieve it. One of the things that's interesting that you've mentioned very briefly was the mental health side of it. Yes. And I think that's a huge, huge thing. I think a lot of people hear mental health and maybe there's a stigma uh, because it's a huge range, right? All the way from from diagnosed you know, schizophrenia or, or, or bipolar, those types of things, to depression. Um, and I have to think, if you've been through the legal system, like just going to a courtroom and standing in front of a judge has got to be traumatizing in the technical sense of mm -hmm. the word to some degree. And to ignore those stresses and traumas for someone coming out of the penal system uh, seems short-sighted. What are you seeing on that front? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely research that shows there's a much higher correlation of, of mental health conditions for people who have been incarcerated. Um, and, you know, mental health in, in more broad terms, right? I mean, it's just like our physical health. Right. It, we deal with it. Everybody has something with their mental health because we all have a brain. <laughs> we all have emotions. Uh, but, you know, for a long time, it hasn't been talked about the same way we talk about our right. physical health. And so one of the things that's been associated with effective reentry programs, both here in Memphis but across the nation, is programs that provide mental health support for their participants. And so in Memphis, Lifeline to Success is a neat organization that does that. Uh, and what's neat is that they did that not because they went and studied the research. They did that out of just observing the need of their participants and saying there needs to be something here. Like, it, you know, just a job's not enough. They realized that. And so they started providing their own types of support. And then by working with them at Slingshot, we were able to help them understand certain, um, you know, provide the research they didn't have the capacity to go and do to say, hey, here's different types of mental health services you could provide. And now Lifeline actually provides a very kind of structured cognitive behavior therapy as part of its programming to its, its participants uh, and has professionals who are trained in that that come in and help support that and conduct sessions in a way that connects with their participants. And so right. it, would, it would look and feel different at a Lifeline of Success meeting than it would at a University of Memphis meeting or at a Rotary Club meeting in sure. you know Germantown. Uh, and that's the beauty of what I think someone like Lifeline has done is they've taken these mental health principles and services and have presented it and provided it in a way that can be digested by the participants that they work with because they're able to connect with their experiences and connect with their reality of what they deal with on a day-to-day -day versus something that's purely theoretical. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you, you brought that back up, the idea of, of uh, data-driven. Um, so we're going to land the plane uh, here real quickly. But uh, for our listeners, episode 27, we talked about uh, heart plus analytics. And I think that's you can see this going both ways, right? Because this idea of effective reentry from the uh, justice system has been driven largely by heart. Like I even remember uh, reading... In the scriptures, uh, thousands of years ago, uh, Roman times and other extant literature, that people were trying to help those in prison come. So this has been around for <laughs> since the beginning, I guess, since prisons, but it wasn't working. But then you had Lifeline, sort of intuitively, and in maybe not intuitive, they're in the middle of it, and they realize we got to have this mental health piece. So you've got data on one side saying, "Hey, this is not working." On the other side, you get to go to Lifeline that is doing something that's not data-supported yet, and you get to analyze it and say, hey, that's working. In a sense, you need to double down. So I'm really excited about that. So I'd encourage our listeners, go back, check it. It's 10 minutes, number 27. Put it on uh, 
125% uh, uh, listen. You can buzz through it really quick. On our next uh, episode of Slingshot Stories, we're going to have Lifeline come in and talk to us, and you're going to hear from them how they're doing this on a very practical frontline uh, situation. Thanks for listening. We're going to wrap it up. Jared, thanks a million. Awesome time. See you next time. Thank you for listening. We love your feedback, so please let us know what you thought about this episode as well as what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For more information, impact resources, or to purchase a copy of the book, Journey to Impact, visit edgillentine.com. That's E-D-G-I-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.com. The book is also available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. For Ed Gillentine speaking inquiries or advertising opportunities, send us an email at ajourneytoimpact@gmail.com. at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the Journey to Impact podcast team. Executive producer, Ed Gillentine. Produced and edited by Joey Woodruff. Special thanks to Stephen Chandler. Mm-hmm.